0: Welcome to Russian History Retold, episode 258, The Streltsy. Last time, we finished the series on the Iron Curtain. Today, we head way back in time to an era dominated by one of Russia's most feared czars, Ivan the Terrible. Our episode will focus on the Streltsy, the military arm of Ivans, which would serve the Russian Empire until their revolt during the reign of Peter the Great brought them down. Before we get into the beginnings of the Streltsy, we need to review the situation in Russia when they came into being around the year 1550. Ivan IV, Tsar of Russia, became the first Tsar of all Russia, in 1547, after serving as the Grand Prince, or Veliki Knyaz from 1533 to 1547. He was in the midst of consolidating his power, laying his eyes on the boyars who had mistreated him during his childhood. Therefore, Ivan needed a fighting force who would be utterly loyal to him. The Great Fire of 1547 ravaged the city of Moscow, killing an estimated 3,700 people and leaving over 80,000 homeless. However, instead of blaming the newly crowned czar, the people laid the blame at the feet of Ivan's maternal relatives, the Glinskys. Some of his uncles were murdered by the angry mob, but Ivan refused to turn over his grandmother, whom some had accused of being a witch. As the Glinskys were advisors to Ivan, You might think their disposal would have weakened his position. Actually, quite the opposite occurred. The mob had been mollified, and they were happy with the Tsar. He would begin to reform laws, many of which favored the boyar class to the detriment of the middle class. This reform package was known as the Sudebnik of 1550, preceded by the Tsar's grandfather, Ivan the Great's Sudebnik of 1497. The Sudebnik of fifteen fifty liquidated the boyars' judicial privileges and strengthened the role of the state judicial bodies. This would begin the creation of a massive bureaucracy that would continue to bloat throughout the Tsarist rule. Even though the Bolsheviks would condemn the bureaucracy of the Tsar, they would replace it with an even bigger one. Even today, this is a significant problem in Russia. It leads to pervasive corruption, which is one of the issues facing the Russian military and their invasion of Ukraine. So much money has been stolen over the years by those in the military bureaucracy that their vaulted army is a shell of what we thought of them before the outbreak of the war. And it all started in 1550. The Sudibnik also provided for the active participation of the elective representatives of local communities and legal proceedings. The arrests of suspects could be made only with the consent of the local community. The representative of a community, a DIAC, participated in judicial office work. Town and rural communities had the right to self-management and the distribution of taxes. The Sudibnik confirmed the right of peasants to leave their feudal lords. The law defined that the peasant had the right to leave the landowner after paying two fixed fees. One was a breakaway fee, and the other one was a transportation fee. The Sudibnik of 1550 also called for the formation of a standing army. They would be known as the Strelsi, which literally means shooter or you could translate it as musketeer. Ivan knew there was a need for more than a volunteer army as there were numerous threats to Russia. The remnants of the Mongol hordes in Kazan, Astrahan, and Crimea were the most dangerous. But, according to Professor Lynn Ann Hartnett of Villanova University, there was another reason for their formation. And Ivan's main reason for creating a standard army was his territorial ambitions. Additionally, the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth, established by the Union of Lublin in July 1569, sat on the eastern doorstep of Russia. Their alliance, though, was much older, beginning in 1386 with the marriage of Polish Queen Hedwig and Lithuania's Grand Duke Jogaila. With all these threats, Ivan had little choice but to form the Streltsy. Initially, the Streltsy numbered about 3,000, broken up into units of 500. Each unit was under the command of a member of the Russian nobility. Their pay was four rubles a month, which, at the time, was an exceptionally good paycheck. However, when finances were tough and pay was impossible to dole out, Other means of compensation were often offered, for example, land, farms, and allowances to become licensed merchants made up for the lack of pay. Their chosen patron saint was St. George, also known as George of Leda. According to tradition, he was a soldier in the Roman army. Saint George was of Cappadocian Greek origin and as a member of the Praetorian Guard for Roman Emperor Diocletian, he was sentenced to death for refusing to recant his Christian faith. Once chosen to join, the position in the Streltsy became hereditary. This, along with the fact that they were not subject to taxation, made being a member of the Streltsy a highly desirable position. This, of course, would lead to problems in the future that I will get into shortly. The Streltsy was actually more than a fighting force. The Moscow contingent was also the personal bodyguard for the Tsar. In addition, they would also serve as guards of the Kremlin itself. Other duties included general guard duty during military operations, border patrol and control, policing, and fire brigade functions. Their operations were controlled by the Streltsy Department, which was one of the most critical government agencies in the 16th and 17th centuries. The average Streltsy had similar uniforms, training, and weapons. Uniforms consisted of red, blue, or green coats with orange boots. Their primary weapon was an arquebus or musket, and they carried poleaxes or bardishes and sabres for defense and some units used pikes. The musket was the primary weapon, with the others being used in support. In the 16th century, the Strelsi were considered an elite fighting machine, but as time wore on, they became too settled in their habits as they refused to modernize. One of the first military operations that the Strelsi participated in was the Siege of Kazan in 1552. Ivan led a force of 150,000 to the city to rid themselves of this threat. While they had little to do with destruction of the walled city, the Streltsy were crucial in protecting the sappers, engineers, and artillerymen from attack. In addition, 10,000 Nogay horsemen were led by the Khan of Kazan, Yadigar Muhammad. The cavalry had bases in forests north and east of Kazan. While we have no direct evidence that when the walls of Kazan fell, the Strelsi entered the city, it is highly likely that they were in on the massacre of Kazan Tatars and the destruction of almost all Tatar buildings, including mosques. They were also probably involved in the mop-up operations, as there was a considerable number of resistance fighters in the surrounding forest. After the destruction of the Kazan Khanate, the next object of Ivan's forces was Astrahan. The successful siege in 1556 would precipitate the first of 12 Russo-Turkish-Ottoman wars that would end in 1918 with the conclusion of World War I. The Streltsy participated in this first battle and would also help out when the first war between the two enemies began in 1568 with Ottoman Sultan Selim II attacking the fortress of Astrahan in order to displace the Russian forces. It would be a complete disaster for both sides. The Ottoman fleet sent into the city at the northwestern tip of the Caspian Sea would be destroyed in a storm. The Russians would also suffer untold casualties, but would hold on to the fortress. The Streltsi were a vital fighting force during the campaigns against the remnants of the Golden Horde, but that would soon come to an end. While they were supposed to receive pay in the aforementioned amount of four rubles, oftentimes the government was short on cash. Therefore, their fighting effectiveness and willingness was compromised by giving them land and allowing them to become merchants. As anyone would, they didn't want to leave their land or business, as this is how they made a living. By 1600, the number of Streltsy grew to about 25,000, with many stationed in the area of Moscow, near what is now the main campus of Moscow State University. By 1681, their numbers ballooned to well over 55,000, with 22,000 in the Moscow region alone. But with all the growth in numbers, came a more significant threat to the Tsars and boyar class. As a result, the Streltsy would be involved in some of the more significant rebellions, like those led by Bolotnikov in 1606 to 1607, Stenka Razin in 1670 to 72, the Moscow Uprising of 1682, the Streltsy Uprising of 1698, and Bulavin in 1707 to 08. One of the reasons for the Streltsy's involvement in the revolts was their belief in keeping in the old ways of Russian life. They were highly suspicious of Westerners and their reforms. One of the main reforms of the church that the Streltsy particularly opposed was that of Patriarch Nikons of 1652 to 1666. This would put them in the court of what we call the Old Believers. The Old Believers were a group named as such by Catherine the Great. They call themselves simply Orthodox Christians. They opposed the reforms, which, if we look at them from afar, are pretty minor. Still, they took it very seriously and sometimes rose up in arms against it. There were mass suicides to protest the reforms, as well as a large number of old believers who just left Russia. The Strelsi, on the other hand, decided to stand and fight. The first revolt we hear of that involved members of the Strelsi was one led by Ivan Bolotnikov during the Time of Troubles. This period, beginning in 1598 with the death of Fyodor I, would last until 1613 with the ascension of Michael Romanov. There were famines and hard times across all parts of Russian society. The Streltsy were not only angered by the reforms of Nikon, but they were also hurting economically and socially as well. However, their involvement in the Bolotnikov rebellion was minor as they eventually turned against them and then aided the Tsar Shuisky-led government. This would change with the revolt led by Stenka Razin. By this time, the chance that the Streltsi were paid what they were due was erratic and less than expected. As Razin's revolt began to gain steam, the number of the ranks of the Streltsi that joined in the revolution increased. Initially sent out to quell the rebellion, many simply refused to engage their enemy. Instead, many either walked away or added themselves to Razin's army. One incident, when the town of Yatsk was surrounded by Razin's men in July of 1667, showed the cruel side of Stenka. 500 Strelsi were guarding the city, but through a simple ruse, the rebels were able to enter the town unopposed. The commander of the forces and 170 troops who refused to join Razin were slaughtered. Only some Strelsi would abandon their jobs. The Muscovite contingent helped to quell the rebellion. On one occasion, the Moscow Streltsy were sent to Tsaritsyn to support the local governor who was under attack. While initially gaining ground against the rebels, they were eventually defeated with only 400 surviving. Those who would not join Razin would be forced to serve as oarsmen chained together to avoid escape. Because of their involvement in the Moscow riots of sixteen sixty two, the Streltsy in the south near Yar and Astrahan had been sent there, which they were angered by. As a result, when Razin's army approached Chernihiv, the local Streltsy mutinied, killing the officers and opening the gates of the fortress. This would occur again in Astrahan, with the Streltsy garrison joining the rebel forces. Eventually, as we know, Razin's rebellion would be brutally crushed, and many of the Streltsy who joined in executed. It would affect their trustworthiness, especially by the future Tsar, Peter the Great. The beginning of the end of the Streltsy began with the infamous Moscow uprising of 1682. Tsar Fyodor III died in April of that year. The Narishkin brothers of Tsarina Natalia Narishkina persuaded the patriarch to proclaim her 10-year-old son, Peter, as a new Tsar of Russia. The Miloslavskis, which compromised the relatives of the late Tsarina Maria Miloslavskaya, spread rumors that the Narishkins had strangled Maria's son, Peter's elder half-brother, Ivan, in the Moscow Kremlin. Many of the Moscow Streltsy at the time grew angry with their commanders. They were also disenchanted with the reforms of Tsar Alexei, which were furthered under Fyodor. The Miloslavskys made themselves out to be more in tune with the Streltsy, whether that was true or not. On May 11, 1682, the Streltsy took over the Kremlin and lynched the leading boyars and military commanders who they suspected of corruption. Ardeman Mateev, Mikhail Dolgorukov, and Grigory Danovsky. Then, just six days later, they returned and brutally murdered Peter's two uncles, Kirill and Ivan, in front of the 10-year-old boy. It was an event that would be burned into the future czar's brain. The Strelsi forced the government to appoint Peter's half-brother Ivan to be co-ruler under the guidance of Sofia Alexievna, the daughter of the late Tsar Alexei and of his first wife, Maria Miloslavskaya. She would now have the power to rule Russia through the two young boys. Things didn't go smoothly for Sofia, though, as in the fall of 1682, the Streltsy revolted again, asking for a total reversal of the reforms of Patriarch Nikon. One of Sofia's backers led the rebellion. Prince Ivan Andreevich Kovansky. He and the men who supported him were crushed by regular army units led by Fyodor Shaklovity. The subsequent rebellion of the Streltsy is known as the Uprising of 1698. It occurred during Peter the Great's Grand Embassy. While in Vienna, meeting with the Holy Roman Emperor Leopold I, the Tsar got the news that the Streltsy were in open rebellion. Before he could make it back to Moscow, it was crushed, with all of the mutineers imprisoned. Peter ordered four regiments, amounting to 4,000 men and a cavalry unit, under the command of Alexei Sheen and Patrick Gordon to attack the Streltsy. On June 18th, the Streltsy were defeated not far from the New Jerusalem Monastery, also known as the Voskorensky Monastery, about 40 kilometers or 24 miles west of Moscow. Peter, as you might imagine, was furious when he made it back into town, remembering when his uncles were murdered by the Streltsy. He would personally become involved in the investigation, torture, and eventual execution of over 1,100 members of the Streltsy. To top it off, Sophia, who was already in a monastery, was forced to become a nun as well as Peter's wife Eudoxia, who is said to have been sympathetic to the rebels, the last to rob the Streltsy would be during the rebellion led by Kondrati Bulavin, which lasted from seventeen o seven to seventeen o eight. The constant wars led by Peter and his building of a new city, Saint Petersburg, caused the population to have to pay higher taxes, and their taxes were raised fivefold from 1700 to 1707. As a result, many of the peasants viewed Peter as the Antichrist, especially those who were considered old believers. The Streltsy were gathered around their last stronghold, Astrahan. They began their part of their revolt in July 1705, killing some 300 noblemen, officials and foreigners. Peter was embroiled in his fight with Charles XII of Sweden in the Great Northern War, leading the Streltsy leaders to believe that the capital of Moscow was defenseless. Astrakhan Streltsy believed they were the last surviving members of the true believers. In a letter to the Cossacks, they told them that the real czar must have been killed or imprisoned, and that Peter was an imposter who, quote, instead of God-respecting carol singing, uses masquerades and games. This was likely a reference to Peter's all-drunken assembly. They further wrote, quote, We stood up in Astrahan for the Christian faith and against shaving and German dress and tobacco, and because we believe we and our wives and children were not admitted into God's church in old Russian dress. The fight between the rebel forces of Bulavin and Peter's army lasted two years. When they were finally defeated in 1708, the Tsar ordered whole towns and villages that sided with the rebellion to be burned to the ground. Because the Don Cossacks were the main fighting force, they lost a lot of autonomy that they had cherished for decades. The defeat of Bulavin's rebellion was critical as it occurred months before the Battle of Poltava, in which Peter defeated his arch-enemy, Charles XII of Sweden. Had the Tsar lost that battle, he may have faced another rebellion that would have jeopardized his throne. As for the Streltsy, they were technically abolished in 1689, and they were partially abandoned because of the need for them in the Great Northern War and the Perth River Campaign in 1711. But by 1720, they were totally disbanded. While some remnants remained in a few cities in Russia, they were no longer a threat. The Priobrzhynskii Regiment and the Semyonovsky Regiment of the Imperial Guard replaced the Streltsy as the Tsar's bodyguard. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Join me next time when we return to the era of of Ivan the Terrible, when we discuss the life of Prince Andrei Kerbsky, a one-time friend and then a staunch enemy of the Tsar. Along with him, we will talk about the Chosen Council, a name given to the group of advisors of Ivan's by Prince Kerbsky. Before I go, I'd like to also remind you yet again about my Rotary Club's uh, fundraising Through a GoFundMe account, which you can find, just go to GoFundMe and search the Rotary Club of International Exchange. We're trying to pay for a child to come from a foreign country, whether it be in Asia or Europe, to come to the United States and in particular Reno, Nevada, to uh, learn about our culture and for us to learn about their culture so we can make this a better world. That is the... uh, goal of our club and also of what we call rye or rotary youth exchange my daughter had the privilege of going to italy for a year as i've mentioned before she got to meet people from all over the world and she got a different viewpoint of ways of people gathering together in peaceful terms and not in war as is going on in ukraine right now uh as you may know yesterday uh Vladimir Putin was, uh, and today is uh, the 18th of March, as I'm recording this. On the 17th, Vladimir Putin had been uh, indicted uh, for war crimes, along with one of his associates in the Kremlin. A sad day for Russia, uh, kind of an embarrassment, in my opinion, but something that I think is necessary considered. All the children that have been killed and then also kidnapped and brought into Russia to be adopted by families illegally. So it's a sad thing. And I wish there would be some resolution to this in the very near future. So until next time, Dasvidanya is Pasiba Mania.